0: Welcome to Asia Rising, a live podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings for Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. The election of Donald Trump heralded a new era in the relationship between the United States and India. For India, America has become arguably its most important partner, and the new president represented a volatile unknown. In subsequent years, policymakers have tried to limit disruption and move the India-US relationship forward. Has the Trump presidency been good for India? Here to discuss this question is Tanvi Madden, director of the India Project at the Brookings Institution in Washington, DC. Thank you for (laughs) joining me, Tanvi.
1: It's good to be on the show, Matt.
0: So I thought we might uh, begin with the beginning of the Trump presidency and what that meant for India. So if you could begin by casting your mind back uh, to the results of the 2016 American election, how would you describe the initial reaction of india to the trump victory and from an indian standpoint has it been the desired outcome from that election
1: so what was interesting is november 8th 2016 was a very memorable day in india for two reasons one is the same as the one uh, uh, which was world over there was surprise at donald trump's uh, election Um, And the US is a country that matters a lot to to India for a number of reasons, strategic, economic, others. And so they watched this this, uh, election here very carefully. But the other, of course, was what was happening at home in India, which was um, currency was being demonetized and it was announced uh, on the same day. And so this combination of events, I I suspect will make that a historic day um, in uh, India, uh, from India's perspective, and particularly in US-India relations, Uh, from at least these two perspectives and that of course had uh, even demonetization had an impact on Indian economic um, uh, growth over the next uh, few years uh, and the landscape there. It wasn't wasn't the expected result that India thought in terms of the U.S. election. What they had expected was that Hillary Clinton would win. She Mm. was very much a known quantity, had visited India multiple times, was thought to be a friend of India, so to speak, or at least familiar with it, and was was taught that she's thought of as a pragmatic uh, politician, uh, and that would work well uh, with allies and partners, etc. And so, I think there was there was some sense, and uh, there had been kind of contact with her team. A lot of her uh, her the kind of people that had people had assumed would that would be part of her cabinet were familiar faces in India, and so I think there was certain comfort level, but. You know, they found that uh, Donald Trump won. Uh, They had had some contact with his team before, but not very much. Um, Nonetheless, with the Indian belief, you deal with uh, governments that countries have, not Mm. ones that you wish they had. And so what you did, what you saw at that point, was that the US, which is very important for Prime Minister Modi's uh, strategic and economic uh, objectives, um, his government moved very quickly. Um, to get in touch with the Trump team, uh, particularly reach out to the transition team, um, got Modi on the phone with then President-elect Trump uh, very quickly within the first 24 hours, if I remember correctly. And then um, you saw Foreign Secretary Jayashankar move very quickly to come to the US and to meet with members of the transition team, but also the Indian embassy here to to plan out that process. And so you did see very quickly, even if it was not expected, uh, hard to know whether it was desired, um, but that they moved very quickly to try to to estab- make sure they established the connections that would keep the ship steady, as steady as possible uh, in terms of the U.S.-India relationship.
0: Mm. It's hard to know how a, a Hillary-Clinton government would have looked, but they've definitely had different interactions along the way that you wouldn't expect India and America to have if it was under a Clinton government, though.
1: Yeah, and it's very hard. I mean, I, I'll set aside the counterfactual because it's just very hard to know what that would have looked like. I think what you have seen... Um, the Indian government is do, um, is try to essentially, or you know, the Indian policymakers have tried to do three things. Um, one is kind of limit the bumpiness in the relationship, mm. understanding um, that they are, um, you know, existing, there were existing frictions in the relationship, but also some new ones, given some of President Trump's uh, style, but also his priorities. Mm. Um, the second thing that India has tried to do is develop shock absorbers to kind of uh, minimize or mitigate the volatility volatility that comes with President Trump. Um, And I think third, you've seen um, the Indian government move to um, try to make progress wherever possible in the U.S.-India relationship. And that's actually, that has, you have seen progress. So I think if you compare U.S.-India relations with U.S. relations with other countries, particularly some allies, um, India will come away saying okay it could have been a lot worse um, but it has meant that this has been India's had to put a lot more effort I suspect into this um, this administration working with this administration particularly with President Trump than it would have in a, in a Clinton administration
0: well, can we talk about that a bit now um, and turn to the relationship between Modi and Trump? These are both men who pride themselves in being strong, decisive leaders, and Trump is a big fan of winners, and Modi recently had quite a, a big win. In your piece for the Latrobe Asia Brief, you said the relationship, Modi has had to invest a lot of time wooing Trump. Do you think that that relationship that they've got between them, do you think, uh, one, is it a little bit one-sided? And two, has it been a, a help or a hindrance to the, the relationship between the two countries?
1: Those three things I mentioned, um, you know, limiting the bumpiness, mitigating mm-hmm. or managing the volatility and trying to, um, you know, move the U.S.-India relationship uh, forward wherever possible. I think all those three things have been helped by the fact that the two leaders have established a, pers- a rapport. You know, I, I, I think I said in the piece that it is hard to say that the two, two leaders have chemistry or whether they you know, actually like each other. Yeah. Uh, but they do a good job of kind of, you know, playing it on TV. Um, and so that rapport, I think, has helped on all those, those three fronts. And I think it's particularly helped the two countries deal with differences um, that have a, that then have a either either deal with them or put them in a separate box. And that has allowed them to kind of move forward on those areas where they have made progress. I think particularly you see this in the defense and security, relationship which has not got derailed by the differences on the economic side for example that would perhaps might have been the case with other relationships. Now having said that even as I think that personal rapport has helped it has not prevented um, certain frictions um, and those differences from kind of they haven't disappeared because Mm -hmm. of that personal rapport and so you have seen I think this is where I'd highlight Uh, The area where I I think you've seen most of the friction, which is on the economic side. Um, You know, India has been on the receiving end of tariffs. It's lost certain trade benefits. Um, The immigration rules that the administration has announced has affected, adversely affected Indians, whether workers or students. And so, you know, you, you, I think personally relate that rapport has allowed the two, has made a difference to a certain extent, but not beyond the point. you know, I don't think it's necessarily one-sided. I think both, um, both have different things that they get out of it. I think for Prime Minister Modi, it is very pragmatic. This is a country that is important to him. This is the leader he has to work with. And he has adjusted his approach. Uh, he got along uh, um, and made an effort with uh, President Obama, and he's done the same with President Trump. Um, you can tell in some ways that he did have I think he himself was a little, it was not just pragmatic uh, with uh, President Obama. He, he genuinely had a um, kind of a, a good um, feeling about him. Uh, with President Trump, it's hard to know if it's, if it's more than pragmatism, frankly speaking.
0: Yeah. So India and America have shared concerns about a rising China and a, a complementary Indo-Pacific vision. How has the progress been between the two countries in in diplomatic and security areas there? Are there definite successes that uh, you see, or is it, in the balance, uh, less progress than you would expect?
1: I actually think on the defense and security and diplomatic side, there's been significant progress in the U.S. Mm. and your relationship these last few years. Um, And I think you've particularly seen it since about the um, um, fall of 2017, Um, What you've seen is a few different things. You've seen greater institutionalization of this side of the relationship. So you've seen this two plus two uh, defense and security kind of dialogue at the at the secretary of state and secretary of defense level. Um, You've seen and, you know, in the uh, this is a this is not a a mechanism that India has with too many countries uh, and particularly not at the ministerial level. Um, it's, it has one with the U.S. now. Uh, it just it announced one with Japan um, last year, and in the in the recent modi um joint statement, you saw an announcement that the, the the one with the two plus two with Australia would be upgraded to the ministerial level as well. So, but this is this is not India. Some, something that India does regularly. There's been greater working level uh, cooperation as well and institutionalization. Second, you've seen India sign a number of these defense foundational agreements that it had been, the US had been tearing its hair out uh, Mm. over trying to get India to sign for years, if not kind of decades. Um, And what these these agreements have done is allowed greater military interoperability, but also intelligence sharing. I think you've seen third kind of enhanced exercises um, between the two countries. uh, you know, as well as a kind of a new multi-service exercise called Tiger Triumph, uh, very dramatic. Um, and then I think very interestingly, and I think this has been kind of uh, um, uh, perhaps more accelerated than you've seen in previous administrations. You've seen India now become willing to work much more vigorously with the U.S. in conjunction with other partners. So whether that's upgrading the U.S.-India-Japan trilateral, reviving the quadrilateral, Mm. Uh, that, of course, includes uh, uh, Australia and Japan. Um, but you've also seen kind of now in this, in this COVID era, you saw at the deputy secretary of state level, kind of this phone call that was essentially a quad plus regular phone call with uh, not just the quad, but um, South Korea, New Zealand and Vietnam. Um, you've seen India and the U.S. To, together do a joint, a joint sale with Japan and Philippines through the South China Sea. You've seen the U.S. now, India willing to accept the U.S. as an observer mm. uh, in Oz Index, the Australia-India Naval Exercise. And they've been, the Japanese have joined some U.S.-India ones. Um, I think a couple of other places, I'd, or one other space I'd say where there has been progress in this defense and security space has been the U.S. assistance during, uh, to, to India during crises. You saw this in 2017 uh, with the Doklam crisis at the Bhutan-China-India tri-junction. Um, and you saw it during uh, the crisis with Pakistan uh, in uh, February last year, in uh, February 2019, where and I think you're seeing it again now um, in the course of this India-China crisis, where you're seeing diplomatic support, behind the scenes help. We haven't seen this yet uh, in the current context, but in previous crises, we've seen the U.S. and India work together uh, in international organizations to coordinate their, their stance there, I will say, though, there has been all this progress. That does not mean that in this uh, strategic, on the strategic side there haven't been differences. There have. Mm. Um, they, India hasn't been thrilled about the U.S. drawdown from Afghanistan or the related Pakistan-U.S. Bonhomie that has come with it. Um, and India has been kind of adversely affected by U.S. sanctions on Iran and Venezuela. So there's this sense that you know the U.S., and, and especially the Trump administration, does weaponize interdependence. And so that's had... A negative effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Trump has offered to mediate in both the uh, the Kashmir situation and in the India-China border disputes. Uh, do you think his presence would be a, a help or a hindrance in those proceedings?
1: So I think this is something that India would probably feel. Whether it was you know a, a, a President Trump or President Clinton or any president, mm. they don't like mediation in bilateral disputes. Uh, this goes back to kind of india's uh, uh, you know taking um kashmir to the united nations in the in the late 40s and they've regretted it ever since um, and they just don't they think bilateral issues should be sorted out bilaterally and so i think you saw uh, that the Indians much more diplomatically and the Chinese much more bluntly essentially turned down uh, this mediation. So I think it's, it's not about Kashmir or the current uh, current uh, uh, situation. It's just not something India, India likes um, uh, third parties to do.
0: That was a very diplomatic answer on your part. Uh, May I remind the audience uh, that there's a a Q&A function down the bottom of the uh, Zoom chat thing there. If you have any questions, uh, we'll be throwing to questions soon, so pop them in there. Uh, If I like them and they meet my vigorous selection criteria, I will um, offer you to flick your microphone on and you can ask it in person if you like. Uh, So make sure you get your questions in there. Uh, Tanvi, if we can turn now to uh, Trump's visit to India in February 2020, Uh, We've seen images of Indians lining the street and filling the arena to hear him and Modi speak. How important is this kind of support to Trump? And is the reception he got there reflected uh, in the Indian diaspora in the United States?
1: I mean, it's interesting. One thing we do know about President Trump is he loves crowds, and Modi delivered those crowds for him. I mean, this is part of the way... Uh, part of the one of the ways that India has really had to change its approach uh, to suit and adapt to President Trump's style and his preferences. Um, essentially, what Modi did is they've given, and this would not have been done um, in uh, in the last few administrations. They've given uh, an American president a platform, whether it was in 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 Gujarat when Trump went to went to India or in Texas last year, um, when, uh, when, when Modi was in, in um, Houston. Um, and these have been platforms that they have kind of known that the, it was more than likely that his campaign, the Trump campaign would use politically as they have. And usually India tries to stay far away from anything that would even seem political. And in one case, I mean, this is another place, you know, India has had to change its style. In, during kind of the uh, Namaste Trump rally in Ahmedabad, um, he praised, in his speech, he praised Pakistan. Hmm. With any other president, any other American president had on Indian soil, uh, you know, praised Pakistan in that way and said, you know, India and Pakistan should work together, you'd have seen some amount of backlash. So I think, you know, it is, it is one way this kind of big crowd, um, it was specifically done for President Trump. Now, of course, the question is, will it have to be offered to every American president? Um, I think in terms of the Indian community in the US, it's quite diverse. Um, you have seen um, some support uh, for President uh, Trump um, from some Indian Americans. Uh, he's definitely trying to increase it. He is, uh, his campaign is trying to target um, some of the ads to Indian American groups, etc. cetera. Um, And he's trying to increase it, whether it's in terms of votes. There's just not that many Indian Americans to make a difference in most states. But um, particularly in swing states, I think he'd like votes. But more broadly, he'd like um, um, campaign finance uh, funding from them. Um, And so you have seen his campaign uh, target them. Having said that, Indian American voters have, like by a significant majority, tended to vote Democratic in recent elections. They were highly supportive of Hillary Clinton. Um, And so, you know, they they don't tend to vote Republican, let alone necessarily for Trump. He's trying to increase that number, but I'm not sure there will be uh, necessarily a massive uh, swing towards him. But that will be one thing, frankly, I will be watching for. Did did all this make a difference? Um, As even Trump highlighted when he was in Texas at the rally with Modi, the people in that crowd were not there for Trump. They were there for Modi.
0: So the last question that I've got to you before we throw to the audience is that uh, Democratic candidate Joe Biden recently said that India would be a high priority if he won the upcoming US election and uh, framing India as critical to US national security. So what's the mood about the upcoming election in Delhi and is your feeling that there is a preferred outcome and they could work with the Biden presidency?
1: So I think they're preparing for either eventuality. If anything, 2016 taught them you never, you know, whatever the polls are saying, you, 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 you never know what's going to happen. Um, I think on the one hand, um, because there's been a fair degree or at least some degree of continuity in the relationship under the Trump administration, if there's another Trump administration, U.S. is an important country. India will figure out a way to uh, deal with uh, President Trump and, um, you know, continue to manage the relationship. Um, Moreover, kind of Delhi does think that his administration has had a far more clear-eyed view of the China challenge, which they've liked, though they've not always approved of elements of his his approach to kind of uh, counter China, and I would say particularly on the economic side. And I think you've seen them think to some extent that even in the case of Pakistan, the Trump administration, despite this recent bonhomie, is actually you know, pressed Pakistan on certain issues, whether it's terrorism financing and others, and have gone been willing to go further in criticizing them as well. Um, And so overall, you know, the Trump administration, if there was another Trump administration, on the one hand, they wouldn't necessarily uh, mind that. Having said that, they do, the Trump administration has been very volatile for the U.S.-India relationship, perhaps not as volatile as some of the others, it's also for Delhi been a very high maintenance relationship. Um, and there have been certain aspects, whether it's that, that they, it's a more transactional relationship, whether that there are certain policies that he has introduced that has have, have affected um, uh, Indian interests, if not actual Indians' um, lives. And so I think they'll also, that's going to give them some pause, not to mention that a second Trump term will not be, necessarily the same as the first Trump. His instincts on things like trade and immigration, which they have not liked, uh, will be reinforced and he'll be tougher on those issues to the detriment perhaps uh, of India in some ways. Mm. Uh, Biden is a known quantity for India. So are many of the people on his team. I think they will think that in some ways he will steady the ship. They will probably like the fact that there will be a certain amount of focusing on strengthening the U.S. itself at home. Uh, India wants a strong U.S. because it thinks that will be a more effective balance uh, against China. Um, I think there will also be some sense that um, he will be more willing to work with allies and partners. Again, something India uh, would like to, to do these things together rather than um, you know unilaterally. Um, I think there will also be uh, a general sense of this being a more kind of steady, less volatile relationship perhaps. Having said that, um, you could see, and I think they've been, they probably have been heartened by hearing support, not just from the Trump administration and Republicans in the case of this India-China crisis, but from Democrats as well. And from people like uh, Michelle Flournoy, who have called um, former Under Secretary of Defense for policy. Mm. Um, somebody who's expected, perhaps, to go into uh, the next uh, a Biden administration, um, to, who have not just called China out uh, for their assertiveness, but actually said we need to do more to deter Chi- such Chinese action in the Indo-Pacific and including with platforms like the Quad, for example. Yeah. Uh, just finally, I would say the downside, I, I would say, as India would see it from the Trump administration, is that I think they do have questions about how much he will follow this more competitive approach to China. Um, You know, which elements will he perhaps drop and uh, will he in the, in the desire to kind of engage with China on issues like climate change and and pandemics? um, What will China demand for that cooperation? What will the U S be willing to give? Mm. I'll say finally, there's one thing that perhaps um, the maybe not, India, as, as the government of India, but the BJP, the Prime Minister's ruling party and the Prime Minister himself, will um, not perhaps like is that democratic administrations, uh, and even a Republican, normal Republican one, would have probably been far more focused on human rights issues and kind of democratic um, governance issues, and perhaps criticized India or been more forward leaning on that. Um, and the Trump administration hasn't really talked about those issues. So I think you know, those are kind of how I think I would lay out. It's too soon to tell. Uh, I actually think they're preparing for every eventuality, but also depends on who you ask. If you're an Indian student in the U.S. and you've just learned of, uh, which was happened overnight for you, but you've just learned that uh, international students might have to leave the country. Um, I saw that,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, you know, you, you, you're very clear about who you want to win the next election.
0: Mm. Hmm. All right, so we'll throw to the audience questions now. Uh, we've got one from Colin Heseltine, so I'll click the allow to talk thing, and we will see if Colin wants to come on and ask in person. Hello, Colin. Good morning. There Ash. we go. Uh, welcome. Would you like to ask your question yeah. to Tanvi?
2: Yeah, my question, Tanvi, and thank you very much for your comments that you've uh, already given us. Um, but my comment, my question is around Iran. How does you see... Um, U.S.-India relations playing into U.S.-Iran relations, or perhaps putting it another way. uh, How does India view what's going on between U.S. and Iran at the moment?
1: Oh, one of the things... uh, Hi, Colin. uh, Thanks for your question. Uh, One of the things I think, you know, you've seen with India is it does not like to see escalation of any sort in the Middle East. Uh, let alone with one country that is, a, is one of its closest partners, perhaps its closest partner of any, uh, the U.S. and another that has been uh, and you know has been for many years a uh, source of uh, um, significant quantities of oil for India. Um, but also, this is any escalation between the U.S. and Iran would take place in a region, the Middle East, that has around 7 million Indian citizens in normal times. Uh, COVID might have affected that. Um, and it is a s- significant source of remittances to India. So India thinks about US-Iran escalation in that context. Um, having said that, because it has had to deal with US uh, sanctions on Iran uh, from kind of the Obama administration's times, they've figured out a general approach, which is that at the end of the day, the US relationship is more important for India than the Iran relationship. And they'd figured out ways of um, uh, finding alternative suppliers for oil. So they, haven't, they don't want to give up the relationship with Iran, but they have been more willing to go along um, with, um, with kind of sanctions against Iran, uh, not willingly. Uh, they don't like it because it constrains their options. And it affects how Iran sees them, but um, they, you know, they will go along with it because they're very clear about which country is more important. The same goes for Indian companies. Uh, most Indian companies involved in the energy business have interests uh, or have interests that are either in the U.S. or could be affected by sanctions. So they've kind of gone along with these sanctions as well.
0: All right. So uh, we'll now throw to uh, Beck Strating, uh, my boss, who has kindly put in her own question. So we'll. Uh, turn her on. Hello, Beck.
1: Hi, Matt. Hi, Tanvi. Uh, I'm enjoying the first uh, live webinar recording of Asia Rising podcast. Uh, and Tanvi, it's always great to, to hear you talking about uh, US-India relations. Uh, my question was about um, how this might affect other states in the region. Uh, Australia, for example, are also quite keen to deepen relationships with India. Uh, And there are other uh, regional states that are, you know, part of the the Quad, Japan, for example, um, that are, you know, sort of interested, I guess, in how uh, the US and India uh, relationship uh, will turn out into the future. Just wondering if you could comment on that. Morning Beck and uh, thanks for the the question. I, you know, I I think one of the things that has gotten lost, uh, particularly in uh, the US, but to some extent in India as well, um, has been um, what was the kind of Modi Morrison virtual summit. I actually think it was significant for a number of reasons, but it, you, you saw in the statements that were released, it's because of the India-China crisis, because of COVID, other things, it's kind of got subsumed by other news. But I think it is one of those things that shows how far the bilateral relationship has come, particularly on the defense and security side, the cyber side. Um, it shows a greater Indian willingness um, to work with, uh, with Australia, um, and I think, in some ways, the Indian uncertainty about the Trump administration uh, and President Trump in particular has actually helped the Australia-India relationship because it's, it's meant that India has been looking for other partners, and I think it, it has coincided with a with a different uh, kind of more uh, a tougher view, um, if if I can put it that way, um, of Australia about China. And I think there's been more convergence of that as well. So I think. One of the things that the US-India relationship has done, I think in some ways, the US has encouraged this development. The Trump administration has encouraged this development. I think it's, it was uh, instrumental in, getting, in get, getting India to agree to revive the Quad. I remember in early, uh, early 2017, there was a lot of reluctance uh, when uh, Admiral Harris, I think it was, in New Delhi, broached the subject. Of uh, publicly of reviving the Quad and there's a lot of pushback, uh, but you saw within the course of the year partly because of China's actions, but I think the U.S. also the Trump administration making it a point to try to kind of facilitate this relationship. Um, so I think you know as uh, if you see whoever the next administration is, the fact that some of these developments that have taken place we're not going to start from where we were in 2017, January 2017. I think you'd even see, and this is why it was interesting to see Michelle Forna, and you've seen a number of others talk about building on things like the Quad. Um, and so I don't see these, I see these relationships only uh, deepening as long as both sides continue to think that there's enough convergence, um, especially the, the Australia-India. I also think it's actually been healthy for, um, I've, I've always believed this. Yes, the Quad is important. Uh, but I think it's been really important for India and Australia to directly establish that relationship and deepen it. Also working with uh, the, uh, on the Australia-India-Japan trilateral or the Australia-India-Indonesia one. And I suspect because there will be continuing calls, no matter who is in the uh, White House next year, continuing calls in the U.S. for burden sharing because of economic pressures here, they will welcome these kind of initiatives. Um, and I think we're, we're in an era where um, Eli Ratner and um, had a co-authored piece the other day with uh, Richard Fontaine on issue-based coalitions. This is something India has talked about for a long time. And I suspect you will find um, that there will be a number of issue-based coalitions that India will be willing to join and will often be uh, willing to join the uh, ones that Australia and Japan and others are, are part of. So I think you will see democracies, particularly ones that have concerns about China, uh, willing to work on these coalitions together.
0: All right. Do you have time for one more question, Tanvi, uh, before sure, we, we wrap it up? Okay, I will um, flick on Alistair. Uh, hello, Alastair. You are permitted to talk. <laughs> Good morning,
2: and thank you for your uh, excellent presentation. I-, I was wondering if I could get a comment in relating to trade and FDI. I was just more concerned looking at the recent actions by the Indian government, which tend to suggest it's clearly opening up in terms of foreign direct investment with ongoing reforms to liberalise various industries. But other actions suggest from a trade perspective, whether it's more protectionist, nationalistic bent, the India resilience, or make uh, make it India, suggests it's not as much open for trading with other countries. So if I could get your thoughts on that. And lastly, what competitive advantage do you believe India brings to the table in terms of attracting uh, global manufacturing supply chains that might potentially shift out of China or in diversification, diversifying supply chains to include a third country or second country, which may be India. I'm just struggling with that one given labor laws, land restrictions, et cetera. Thank you.
1: Uh, thanks, Alistair. Uh, um, those two connection, uh, the questions are actually linked. I think, you know, in terms of India's attractiveness, one thing that has made it attractive is uh, this market size, both current and potential. So for any company um, that, you know, is, wants to manufacture, not just for export, but has kind of a market that it can then access, that has been something, um, you know, that has been attractive. Um, I think, but it will really depend on how the Indian government reconciles the two elements that you've mentioned, Um, both kind of related to COVID and if there's a real focus in in the sense of uh, what India needs to do, if it's really going to reassess China policy as some have have called for after this boundary standoff. Uh, Both those things suggest that there needs to be kind of an uh, a rethinking on the economic side. And you've heard the Indian government say, look, we, we want to be part of global value chains. We want to kind of uh, attract some of this uh, business that might be diversifying well, for companies who have a China plus one strategy. Uh, but they've also said, you know, there's huge emphasis on self-reliance, um, which what we haven't seen yet is how the government intends to reconcile those two. Uh, There are also questions now with some of the scrutiny and the restrictions that have been placed on um, Chinese interests in particular, economic and technology interests. These have very much been targeted at China. But one question uh, is, will this end up being take on a broader kind of protectionist uh, bent? Uh, So far, that's not been the case. What they've On that, they've said, look, this is, at least they they don't say it in their government notifications. They've said, this is about China. This is not about, we welcome other foreign companies. But I think this is going to be the toughest thing and it will have a implication. I think uh, for somebody like me, it's incredibly important because without that kind of economic growth, the rest of the stuff goes away, including building military capabilities, ability to play a, a bigger role. So I think it's a crucial question and it's something I'm gonna be watching how do you reconcile those two? And does India really have a rethink, particularly on its trade policy? Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean RCEP. I think RCEP India has serious concerns about because they see it as a largely an FTA with China. And in this climate, that's going to be hard unless China makes the concessions India has asked for. Uh, but I do think they will, you know, there's it's a debate within the government, and you saw the debate in the speeches. Um, and so we'll have to see how it plays out. I think some of it will depend on how. Uh, you know, the implication, the impact that coronavirus has on both the health side and the economic side over the next uh, few months. But it's, it's, uh, it, is, it is hard to reconcile, but uh, India will have to kind of figure out a way out of it if it does want to be part of this kind of global story as, as, uh, as con- countries look for alternatives, because otherwise countries like Vietnam and Bangladesh are benefiting in some ways more.
0: All right. uh, We might leave it there. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone, for your questions and for your attendance today. Uh, If you like this event, uh, we've got one on next week, uh, 6 p.m. AEST on uh, Trump and the Asian region in general. That's with Professor Nick Bisley, the Dean of Humanities and Social Sciences at La Trobe University. Uh, The following week, we are with Natasha Kassam uh, from the Lowy Institute at 6 p.m. AEST. That's on uh, Tuesday the 21st, I believe, and that will be on uh, trump and taiwan and whether he's a um, a help or a wild card uh so thanks very much for your time today tanvi
1: uh thanks so much matt it was really good to be on the show and to do the piece for La Trobe asia
0: yeah it was great uh thank you very much for um for all your contributions and uh you can follow tanvi on twitter she's at tanvi underscore madden i believe yes and uh we are at La Trobe asia so i'm matt smith and thanks for listening today